coming. Pass is picked off. He's going to go looking again, and it's picked off by Stephon Gilmore down on the right sideline. Into the end zone, and he's picked off. Back the other way. Uh, right, oh, look, let's when, let's when Dax raising that Lombardia loft in Las How Vegas. We, I I just couldn't I couldn't help but tune in for this one with you coming on. <laughs> what what a line to start the podcast. But the joke is he invited is me on only a couple of hours ago. Oh, he's a masochist. Yeah. What can you say? Okay, uh, before we start anything in terms of the NFL chat, Dave, this is coming your way. <laughs> What the hell? A producer. Explain. That is, that is the giant chain with Foam Falcons logo attached to it that is available to buy on NFL Shop for about, I think they're about 25 quid or something like that. And that is from a producer of mine. Uh, right. Who, who I work with, who's a big Atlanta Falcons fan, who bought yeah. that thinking it was a really nice small pendant necklace chain thing. <laughs> <laughs> and this giant... <laughs> Flavor Flav style Falcons oh. chain necklace, and and he doesn't want it, and he he really doesn't want it. No. <laughs> well, well before amazing. we start recording, I'm going to say I am keeping Bijan Robinson in my dynasty league. I Ooh. picked him number one overall this year. He's going to come. Don't good. give up on him, Rich. Oh, that's so Don't Dallas. I will not. Come. That's so Dallas. I'm in. I'm in. I'm all in. I'm all in. No matter how much the fire is burning, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> Have either of you guys seen um, the film on? Amazon Prime, Bye Bye Barry. No, not yet. No, no. no. Uh, honestly, watch it. It's awesome. Um, but I, I said earlier in the year when when the Falcons played at um, at Wembley that I'd never seen anybody in person that moves like Bijan Robinson. I could just stop on a dime and change direction. And then all of a sudden, last night, I'm watching Barry Sanders, and I'm like, "That's the this guy. is another level." And yet Robinson is the closest thing you've got to, to him. It was just immense. So that brings me to the initial thought that I was having earlier when I was chatting with you, Rich, which is, has the NFL got worse? <laughs> what, since Barry Sanders? Well, just, I mean... <laughs> or in one year. I mean, this is something that I've been peddling for the whole of the season. I touched on it with Gravesy earlier when we were having a phone call. I've said it to you, Dave, all year on this podcast and everything. Of yeah. It, it feels like right now the NFL ha is, you know how we talk about teams are in a rebuilding process and everything like that. I genuinely think the NFL is in a rebuilding process because you kind of touched on that like, B. John Robinson is a guy that moves not even as well as a Barry Sanders, but he kind of is, I guess, the next great running back if Atlanta would use him in the correct way and give him the ball and get him actually carrying the rock. But well, there Arthur are... Smith isn't going to be calling the plays anymore, is he? So he might have a chance. You've got a chance, yeah. <laughs> but there, there are things about this season that just reek of, we lost like an elite NFL quarterback class over the last five years mm -hmm. and arguably the greatest set of great quarterbacks that we have may have ever had at one time. You know, you're talking about tennis with Rafa and Nadal and, and Djokovic. We might look back on the era we've just had of the Breeze, Rivers, Brady, uh that kind of period of time of being the great NFL QBs, Rogers as well, whether we see Rogers back or not and look but at But are that. you not talking about quarterbacks that were pure passes when, when you look at that, that era, that class, whereas 
that position in the NFL's evolved now. It's about being a dual threat quarterback, um, being more mobile quarterback. So even the likes of, of Joe Burrow, for example, Josh Allen can certainly move, extend plays. Patrick Mahomes isn't the quickest guy in the world, but he's able to extend plays and make plays with his legs. Dak Prescott, for example, can still f- find you 10 yards and get a first down if he needs to, whereas players of the, the ilk of Drew Brees, no offence intended, Drew, um, it, it would need to be a gap the size of the Grand Canyon for him to, <laughs> to make a player miss it and somehow make that happen. So I, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, I just think that the position has evolved and I don't think it's necessarily fair to... you. Can't, I don't think you can compare like with like. I think the next generation's here, Ollie, as well. Like you just mentioned a load of names there, Rich. Like it's not like we're looking around for quality yeah. QBs. They are just different. But they're very. Well, here's different. the question. Like we, we, what, go on, yeah, go on. What about what about Lamar Jackson? Because I will still say, even though his ability to to throw the ball has improved from when he was a rookie in the NFL, I don't think. I still think there are times there are elements in his game when. It goes awry. The radar just isn't there. Now, great. He can make plays with his legs, but that isn't going to equate to longevity as a quarterback in the National Football League. So where do you where do you sit with him? I mean, my opinions on Lamar Jackson have been there for the test of time since he came into the league, which is a guy that can make plays with his legs and his arm isn't that great. If he had better receivers, I definitely think Baltimore would have a better chance of getting more out of Lamar's arm. I don't think he's ever had a receiver core that's looked like a receiver core that maybe was in Tampa Bay, for instance, with Godwin, Evans, Gronkowski, or in Los Angeles at the moment, Cup, Nakua, and picked up whichever tight end you want to throw in there as like an underneath threat. But I don't necessarily think that that would necessarily change anything that Lamar Jackson does with his arm. He's had a deep threat every so often. He's always had Mark Andrews until this year to play underneath as an easy outlet. And I don't, I don't think there are many quarterbacks with elite level arms in this league if we're comparing it to the elite guys that I mentioned earlier, which is why I get back to this. You touched on the the position has evolved. I think the position has changed, but the guys that I mentioned, I still feel could beat you before the snap even happened. I don't think there's anybody in this league right now that I look at and think they can beat you pre-snap with adjustments and changing things and have that ability to read a defense in the same way some of the elites are and i yeah i i don't necessarily think it's for any worse in terms of the qb position i just think it's a a different way to play the role and i wouldn't necessarily say that anybody in this league right now is up there with the greats in terms of arm ability that we've seen even justin herbert and i love that i was gonna say i was waiting for you to say i was gonna jump in and see when you're gonna mention your boy how do you feel about him after this year? Is it your opinion changed, or is it just a charges problem? Oh, he's just in. I I think he's a poor QB locked in a vice of a contract at a team that is, you know, getting rid of Brandon Staley at least might see some change. I worry that the Chargers have been the Chargers and been finding exceptionally weird ways to lose games, play bad defense, bad special teams not utilize key players in the way that they need to on offense Hmm. drops this year have been outrageous keenan allen i think has had three or four drops i've seen for touchdowns that have been on the numbers or at least like down at the one yard line or something there's something weird in the air about that franchise which hasn't been shaken off from the philip rivers era of not getting the ball over the line 
And I think that's a very kind of classic Chargers mentality to have now. I think if you put Justin Herbert in a in a great team, if you put Justin Herbert in Miami, that that Miami team, you know, Herbert's not under throwing that Tyreek Hill bomb that caused Tyreek to come back, end up with a bad back, and may have ended up costing Miami that game against Buffalo, for instance. Like Herbert shreds that Buffalo secondary easily. But yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, that's we a were, big call. We, I mean, we were talking though about like MVP picks, and you, you, you said exactly what I've said a few weeks ago, Rich. That it's CMC. I'd argue and he probably won't be in the top five when, when you see the the way voting's gone. Um, I think it'll be I Lamar think, after the last. Yeah, like, I, few I weeks, think it'll but... be Lamar. But I, as I said to Swally earlier, you know, you, over the last two years, no team has blown more double digit leads to lose games than the Baltimore Ravens. Now, I, I get it. The Baltimore Ravens have the best record in football this season. But for the first half of the season, they, they, they weren't consistent. They found ways to win. And it, it, you only have to go back several weeks to that home game against the LA Rams, a game they could have easily lost, maybe should have lost late on, found a way to win it, it in overtime. If they don't win that game, and they lose it. Is it a different conversation now? Maybe. We don't know. They went on to to beat Sam Fran and beat them handily, by the way, um, in the, their own backyard. But my point being is that Lamar Jackson, who I don't think any of us would say, ever say is an elite quarterback, is going to be the MVP this year. Dak Prescott may well finish number two in the, in the running there. I think he's had his best season as a pro, but MVP level? you can only measure yourself against the guys that you're playing with in that any one season. So yes, he's done well this year, but if like Holly was saying, you're trying to compare these guys to Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, mm. for me, not yet. It might happen down the line, but not yet. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are a microcosm of what the NFL is right now. Because you look <laughs> at that Jacksonville Jaguars team and you've got a guy that should be getting to now after a few years in the league that level of quarterback Travis Etienne is a wonderful running back works really hard and has great vision great open field ability to make moves with the ball Calvin Ridley I've absolutely loved this year for instance his kind of comeback story after everything that goes on regardless of what you think about the gambling on games or not it's great to see it's not such a great story for me as a falcons fan but continue yeah <laughs> here's what you could have won if you'd you know taken a bet on calvin ridley ironically uh, so, we yeah. took quite a few we took quite a few punts on him so he had he had more than enough chances but i, I just but even then like and jacksonville's got like a, a solid defense you know led by an incredible pass rusher in josh allen like i think i think there is a, a a really good team there and last year they completely uh, like got past San Diego, um, San Diego Los Angeles obviously in the playoffs with that incredible comeback and then didn't stand a hope in hell and you expect them to build on that this year and this year they don't get into the playoffs which it just seemed it's a, it almost feels like a regression even though obviously it's about a similar win-loss ratio to last year for Jacksonville it, it feels like a big regression in that belief that Jacksonville can take the things that they have and turn it into something. And I, I genuinely look at a lot of what is in the NFL right now and see, you know, can you turn that into making 
an all-star game look good for instance like a pro bowl obviously coming up in three four weeks time nothing feels like a pro bowl to me it feels like a bunch of good to very good players playing together in in this league and it is it's been great in that fine margins have decided games like you know Miami still one victory over a team with a winning record this year yet they're 11 and 6 and going into the playoffs and like it's just some things don't yeah, feel and, right and I think year. I think the big worry about the Miami Dolphins as well is you look at the last three games all against teams that have made it into the postseason this time around and the most points they've scored in any of those games was the 22 they scored three weeks ago in beating the Cowboys well this is the number one ranked scoring offense in the NFL you know you mm. You're meant to be playing your best football in the month of December. And I get that they've had injuries, but so is everybody else in the National Football League at this stage of the season. And yet the the most explosive, high octane, number one ranked scoring off seems to have fallen off the, the edge of a cliff um, when it matters most. And now you've not only lost the AFC East title on the final game of the season, you've also lost home field advantage for one, maybe two games because you've given up the number two seed in the AFC, and now you're having to go on the road to play the, the reigning Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs, who aren't all that this season by their high standards either, by the way. But you look at the forecast for Saturday night, it's going to be Baltic up there in KC. And got to be honest with you, I only see one winner, and yeah. it's not the team from Florida. I don't think, I mean, I, I think they're just going to shut them down. Their, their defense has been consistent this year when there haven't been many consistent defenses. And I I think that they'll only need Mahomes and Co. Twenty one points. Mm. I just I just don't know if yep. the Dolphins are going to show up. I totally agree. Do you know what? Funnily enough, in in my own podcast this week, in the game preview I've done for that, I actually say in it twenty one points could be enough to win this game. Oh, there we go. Uh, Agreeing which, with the great sounds. It's a good spot which, for me. Which sounds ridiculous, <laughs> doesn't it? When you look at the. The two teams you're talking It'll about. It'll probably be but... a score fest now, Rich. Now that, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Judging by the way, Dave's bets go most of the time this year. Yeah, I was going to say you don't want to be on my side of the fence on a lot of these things. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, I'll give you some hope here, Dave. I'll give you some hope. The first two yeah. weeks of the season, um, I went one and five against the line, and I'm not going to lie to you, it wasn't looking too good. Confidence <laughs> wasn't high. Since week three, twenty nine and nineteen. Oh. So if we're thinking like here. I think we're onto a winner. It's kind of like a Dallas record coming into the postseason, basically, right? Like you're on the up and up go. I'm going to give you the chance, Rich, to just wax lyrical about the Dallas Cowboys because, like, look, the NFC East is the gift that keeps on giving. You can never know who's going to win that division every single year. I think it's really humble of the Eagles to take that step away <laughs> and be the team to just... <laughs> Let somebody else. Is that take... what you call it? Yeah, being yeah. humble. Well, well, <laughs> we've been humbled. Let's put it that yeah, way. <laughs> so, quite a few times. <laughs> you've definitely been humbled over the last two weeks. Yeah. You blow a fifteen-point second-half lead at home to the Arizona Cardinals. What do they have? The number three pick. Oh, it in seems this like Richard draft? Grace. We've lost him actually on the podcast. Here. <laughs> Richard Grace, uh, thanks for joining. <laughs> then you go to the New York Giants, a, a team and a venue, by the way. Since we're going to bring the Dallas Cowboys into this, that it got rashed on the opening weekend of the season 40 nothing by the cowboys i was trying to bring the cowboys into it down by half the eagles. <laughs> why are you it's making crazy about philly i was trying to let you wax lyric about the eagles not uh, about the dallas not bring the knife in well, on I, these... well, well, 
well, you know, it's a double-edged sword and two really birds is. with one stone type of thing. Um, what I will say about Dallas is um, it, it, the Eagles had it all before them and they've opened the door to the Cowboys because I don't think anybody in Dallas fancied going on the road um, this season in the postseason, especially when you saw a couple of, of their key defeats at Buffalo, at the 49ers. Uh, and now all of a sudden you've said to Dallas, you know what? You go and play at home for one, maybe two games, a place where you are 16-0 and in a record going back to September 22. Um, you're averaging over 37 points a game when playing at home this season. Ooh. And you, you, you have a better turnover um, ratio. You have more passing yards, more points on the board. You concede fewer points. Everything about playing at home for Dallas is good. And... I, I genuinely feel, all partisanship aside, the Eagles have handed this to them. You know, you're 10-1. and one. A team that made it to the Super Bowl within one play of perhaps winning it last year and fallen off the proverbial cliff, I don't think, covers this for Philadelphia. So there's a whole other um, story to get involved in there. But I will say this about the Dallas Cowboys. They will never have a better chance to go all the way to the NFC Championship game and who knows, maybe win it all than they've got now this season. The stars have aligned in their favour. They've got certainly two games at home if they manage to win the playoff games. Who knows what can happen this season in the NFL. You might have three games um, at AT&T Stadium. So there are no excuses now. And you can even throw into that the, the so-called curse of Jimmy Johnson. Well, that seems to have been lifted because he's in the ring of honour. So if you want to want to go and get it dallas it's there for you you've got to go and take it no excuses uh, just out of interest uh, rich the curse of jimmy johnson Ex explain very quickly for for people that don't um for people that don't know uh, the dallas cowboys were the worst team in the nfl back in 1989 jerry jones bought the the franchise brought in jimmy johnson as the head coach inside 3 years they won their first super bowl they win another super bowl the very next year go back to back there's a, shall we say, a misunderstanding between Jerry Jones and Jimmy right. Johnson. Egos may have got in the way. So Jimmy Johnson is, a, the official line is, a mutual agreement to part ways. I think we can all say that ultimately Jimmy Johnson found it too much and so he's shown the door. Um, and the idea is that even though Barry Switzer won another Super Bowl with what was effectively Jimmy Johnson's team, it was the curse of Jimmy Johnson that, you, you can't win without him. Jerry Jones can't win without Jim, Jimmy Johnson. So here you go, all the way down 20-odd years later. Finally, the two seem to have buried the hatchet. Uh, two weeks ago, Jimmy Johnson officially gets um, unveiled and named in the Cowboys' ring of honour. He appears on the star in the middle of the field, halftime in the Detroit Lions game, yells out, how about them Cowboys? The whole place, 90-odd yeah, thousand fans. Moment. It, was, nuts. it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. You're quite right, Dave. I even <laughs> sent it to Ollie because I thought it he might have missed cool. it sleeping. You know, I didn't want him to miss it. <laughs> um, so, and from that moment on, the curse is lifted. And if you needed an example of it, the Detroit Lions, last minute of the game, go all the way down the field, score a touchdown, say we're not going to kick the extra point and go to overtime. We're going to win it right now. Two-point conversion. How dare play. you? They, they make it, but there's a flag on the play. How Unfortunately, the official, the, the official, the um, official didn't see that the uh, the receiver 
uh, Taylor Decker had made himself eligible. I think it was the right decision. I no, think you oh, can really? clearly see that <laughs> oh, on the footage. Um, so they have two more goes. Ultimately, it's two-point conversion. Don't get it. Cowboys win by a point. The curse is lifted. Super Bowl 58, Las Vegas, Nevada. I, I, I can't believe you Cowboys. you don't you, you don't think that should have, <laughs> have stood. Uh, yeah, I can't believe that you thought... <laughs> It is weird. It's crazy, man. Yeah, I mean, you gotta you gotta go with the official's it, word at the, the end of this day. It's the only plausible explanation. The curse has been lifted. Yeah, no, that's it. That is it. <laughs> <laughs> I really wondered where you were going with that, and as soon as you started bringing up Detroit, that was so ugly of you, Graves. That's that's why no one likes the Cowboys because you take what was potentially a beautiful thing of Jimmy Johnson finally getting back into the fold with Dallas and turn it into a way to still rub salt into wounds opened by terrible officiating. I mean, just quickly, like... It's why we all love this game, is it not? <laughs> uh, joking aside, <laughs> that isn't how you saw that moment, right, with with Detroit? That No, not at all. That was an absolute car crash for no, the NFL, um, and it's weird that they're, nothing more what, is being made what, of it right what now. What I do know is, um, if you look back at the footage, there's two things that um, spring to mind. When, when you see the footage that was later released... Um, Clearly, the announcement is made that Skipper's the eligible receiver. Um, well, only one of those two can be eligible. So you've got to assume that that the players heard that, didn't react. And also in the huddle, Jared Goff appears to indicate when that announcement's made, Taylor Decker, you need to go and see the official. Taylor Decker clearly feels he's made himself um, to, av available to the official and he's eligible. Seems to think it's taken care of. Wh whatever way you stand... Uh, wherever, whichever way you stand on this, um, whether you think it was bad officiating or a mistake's been made by the player um, and coaching staff, either way, the, the bottom line is that the announcement in the stadium was that Skipper was the yeah. made himself eligible. Um, and at that point, I know there's 9,000 fans there. I know you're trying to get a play in the huddle. I know there's a lot going on. But at that point, somebody's got to react. I know it's at the end of the game. You're tired and, and so on. Um but, you know, you look at the tape and there was enough there to respond to it. Do I think that the officials were right? Look, the player clearly walks out towards the official, seems to indicate and make some sort of gesture. So I think it's fair. It's it's safe to surmise that an error has been made. But there were announcements made as well. So... Yeah, um, it's, look, it's a good point. It's not being around the bus. Dallas got away with one. Here. It's 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 interesting because you always hear players say, you know, when fans are trash talking and all like that, players don't hear that. You know, they'll hear the a quarterback will hear the cacophony of noise, which is why they can't distribute audibles around and all that kind of stuff. But they don't hear individual things, and you can just imagine from a player's perspective that even if Goff has said you need to still go back and check in, the player says I've spoken to the official that almost second guesses it in Goff's mind because his main focus isn't on an announcement yeah. or anything like mm. that. You can imagine Dan Campbell's the same thing. You can imagine, you know, offensive coordinator up in the booth or down on the touchline or whatever is the same thing as well. So it's one of those ones where people being well, so he, locked here's in on the Here's the other thing as well. I know D Dan Campbell made uh, a big play immediately afterwards that they'd met the officials before the game and spelt it out what they were going to do. Well, okay, you, you think, well, okay, what, what's gone wrong here then? It turns out that Brad Allen, I think, was the, the referee. He wasn't in that meeting, and yet he's the head official yeah. of the game. So, therefore, that that mitigates that argument 
um, if you like it. And the other thing I do remember at the time, I mean, it was what, about 4.30 in the morning here um, when that play was taking place. It The flag's on the play. It's, it's a penalty. You've got to do it again. You're back at the Cowboys' seven-yard line. At that point, I remember actually saying out loud to myself, why are you not kicking the extra point here? Mm-hmm. To, to go for two from the seven-yard line, I, look, I get it. You've said to your players, we're going for the win no matter what. But at some point, there's got to be some game management in right. rational yeah. sense. It, does, it worries you. It worries you about the playoffs, doesn't it, Rich? Like, is is it, it really going to come does. down you look to something at the like that? And... Of that call, and it, well, if Detroit win that game, they're now the number two seed. It's that simple. They've mm. they've got potentially two home games in the playoffs. They lose the game, and by virtue of now losing the tiebreaker on head to head to Dallas, it's you know if they both get through. Um, to the next round, it, it it's the Lions that go to Dallas, not Dallas that go to Detroit. But I mean that that kind of um, uh, you know live by the sword, die by the sword attitude with Campbell. It's kind of got him to where he is, and they've just won a division, so they should be happy about that. Whatever happens, but it's going to come down to a play like that, isn't it, or a decision like that in the playoffs, and being too aggressive. It's My that over-emotional of... hard knocks thing that we talked yeah. about that you saw, you know, when they did the Lions on hard knocks with Dan Campbell and he's like, you know, he's almost freaking weeping every five minutes when he's impassioned <laughs> he in speeches. So much, and like, though. that's great. You want to hear a guy that's yeah. that passionate, but you also, you want a guy that's going to be, I'd rather have a ruthless killer like a Bill Belichick who's like, just do your job. We've told you everything you need to do do mm. that job and you'll stick around this team than have a guy that's going to be so wrapped up in the emotion of it that can't necessarily then make cognitive decisions like yeah well to, to back up what you're saying there ollie you go back to the nfl films footage of super bowl 49 in arizona against patriots against seahawks games going back and forth patriots are down and th- there's that one moment that's etched it in my mind and always will be of bill belichick down on his haunches with his defensive players around him. And he says, look, guys, all you need to do, it's really simple, is just do your job. If you do your job, we win this game. And that's the moment in a big game atmosphere when the stakes can't be any higher. It's all on the line. And you have a head coach who's calm, rational. He has clarity of thought. And he just breaks it down in the simplest form for everyone to understand. There can be no misunderstanding. You need that in these games. Mm. And I love Dan Campbell. I think he's a great guy. As a player, you'd run through a brick wall for him. But with all that passion, he's the one man on that sideline that has to have clarity of thought when it matters most. All right. Let's run through these playoff games very quickly then and see who's taking what because there are some interesting ties in here we touched on miami kansas already uh touched a little bit on rams and obviously detroit coming up one of the most intriguing ones for me is cleveland against houston which is the first one coming up on saturday Mm, in the earliest kickoff yeah because we're we're talking about a a cj stroud houston team that has gone far beyond what anybody expected them to do against a cleveland team that has gone so much further than anybody expected them to do with joe freaking Flacco at the helm the man that was never meant to be you talk about Aaron Rodgers sticking around too long and like rising up Joe Flacco's having well, they, that they, sort of they, they spent you know how, how many years 10 years hating him yeah it's <laughs> a, a Ravens quarterback the team that was stolen from them as well it's like it's outrageous you just can't you can never say die in the NFL can you Cleveland's unbelievably good defense and 
steady hand flacco i mean that's what it is like everyone talks about game managers being a bad thing but why would it be a bad thing with joe flacco because that's what you want in a place like cleveland is a guy that can manage a game not turn the ball over too much make throws when you need to against well i he has thrown quite a lot of interceptions along with those touchdowns though so he i think he's got he's got those turnovers in him but the texans defense yeah so I think that he's, you know, it's there for the taking. I think they can definitely win it. Well, here's a stat for you all. In the history of the NFL, no quarterback has won more wildcard playoff games than Joe Flacco. <laughs> Which not, also not shows Brady, he's never been good enough. Marino, he's always playing on wildcard weekend. <laughs> he's never been good enough to win a division or yeah. get a bye. He's always been the guy that gets you into the wildcard. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> He's got five wins to his name, and as much as I like the Texan story and everything um, that's happened down there in Houston this season with a young team, um, new coach, rookie quarterback, I'm going with the Cleveland Browns. They went mm. there three weeks ago and won 37 points to 20. Flacco makes plays when it matters most. And we talked about you know needing clarity of thought as a head coach. That's what you need as your signal caller on the field as well and i think experience counts for a ton here he you know he's played in the most extreme environment in a super bowl when it's all on the line and come out as the mvp with a super bowl ring on his finger it's, do you really think that going to houston is going to rattle him you know capacity crowd whatever no they've been there and won any anyway he can do that again he knows he's got the number one ranked defense to have his back he's playing NFL this season he's playing uh with house money as well rich like you know it's just, he's at the it. end of his career it's outrageous that he's even playing at all he wasn't expecting to be in this position yeah. he can still throw it like he's 25 when he's got an open yeah. it's just like yeah what's to lose i think he's going to play so loose like it, he's got a great offensive line to protect him he's got a stud wide receiver he's yeah. got a great tight end he's got like i say he's the number one ranked defense and defense travels. Um, so take the Cleveland Browns. I'm on them all day long in this one. It's yeah. it's interesting with, with Flacco as well. And you say he's playing loose. Guaranteed backup job, whatever happens, wherever he goes, could potentially, with the number of rookie QBs that people are looking at taking this coming year, Flacco might have paid him played his way into a starting job for the first six, seven games of next season as well, with somebody looking to to keep hold of him. Cleveland might even say, look, they're not going to get rid of Deshaun Watson. They've paid a king's ransom to have him, but it's a useful guy to have still in the room. I quite like Dorian Thompson-Robinson and everything. I really like the CJ Stroud aspect of this, though, and I find it peculiar that after everyone has been really hot on Stroud, and I know he's obviously had a, a couple of games out and everything like that this year, that suddenly people are going, this kid that was looking so exemplary composed for a rookie might not be able to take the playoffs into his stride when he's taken absolutely everything in his stride this season has a great connection with his wide receivers the the Texans running game hasn't exactly been a bad thing this year it's been very complimentary to a decent passing offense as well and Stroud's got the mobility to get out of trouble against the Cleveland Browns pass attack that's very good I give them I'm going with the Browns but I give the Texans, I think, a lot more credit. It would not surprise me at all if what's in the, Houston. What's the um, what's the spread on it, Ollie? Sorry to interrupt you, because I think the two two point five three point yeah two point 
2.5 at the moment. 2.5. Yeah. You see, that's a lot of respect for the Texans, I'd say. I, I, deservedly so as well. I, I think. mean, they are at home, so yeah. that helps. But yeah, I I go with the Browns. Well, here's the thing, and I'm I'm going to shamelessly plug my Graves on Gridiron podcast again. Um, but in my picks, whilst I, I do like the Browns to win it, it's why I've gone for the total points line. That's just 44 points for the game. Are you kidding me? I think CJ Stroud's going to sling it. I think Joe Flacco mm. is clearly going to take some some deep ball shots. 44 points go over all day long. Oh, I don't know about that. I could see, I mean, if you are talking about it being too big a moment and being Joe Flacco being Joe Flacco, I could see under that. I, that's why they're very good. These gambling guys are really good at these picking two, those numbers. These two combined for 57 points just three weeks ago in this stadium. Playoff football's different, man. It's tetchy. It's tenser. It's, you know. Yeah. All right. Miami against Kansas City. Um, oh, we yeah, kind of covered it. I'm, I'm, temperature gives I'm, it to yeah. Kansas, surely. I, I got I got yeah. the Chiefs. I just think I just think the Dolphins are cooling off at the wrong time and that psychologically losing that division. I mean it's not as bad as sorry Ollie as what happened with the Eagles, but it's pretty bad. Letting yeah. the Bills back in yeah. to win what did they win? Five of the last six or whatever to win it. It's like that is gonna sting. And then they've lost some of their best players and it's just all going downhill. I just can't see it. On both sides not of the it. ball as well. Yeah, Xavier Howard, Nick Chubb being out as well for Miami, not not good. Not good. Like, really tough not having a decent pass. Well, Jerome like... Baker came back last week and obviously went as well, so. Kansas have to fancy their chances with that. Uh, that's yeah, as easy a ride you're going to get. In Miami, slightly different maybe. Yeah, but not much yeah. more. But I think enough to make it, it more. It's it's weird though, isn't it? Like how you know, because I don't feel that great about the Chiefs. So I'm sure they don't feel that great about themselves. Uh, you know, I the think way the, the Chiefs are ready gone, for a but... bigger downfall in a bigger moment with the mm. offensive problems they've had. I think mm. Kansas have this almost ability this year of every time you think you're with them and you think they're getting back up to speed, they'll have a big fall. But I think this will be the one where everyone's going, well, Miami's such a high-powered offense. Kansas get through them, get a lot of people rallying with them, and then it's a big downfall then they, against them. Then they lose in the division. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for, for for me, the, the key is the turnover battle. Um, a, and a classic case in point was that Christmas Day game between the Raiders and the Chiefs. If the Chiefs commit game-killing turnovers, they no longer have the firepower on offense to be able to overcome them like they have in previous seasons. But if Patrick Mahomes and this team plays a clean game, I only see one winner, and I don't see that being Miami. Yeah. All right, moving into Sunday's games, the early kickoff, the easy one to get through. Uh, Steelers against Buffalo. I, I mean, sh uh, surely. I know like Buffalo have had their problems. They've rallied immensely since that loss to the Eagles to get back to being in a position to be able to be in the playoffs, which... As we spoke with Josh Potter on this show, there are a lot of Buffalo fans that wanted Sean McDermott, he wanted McDermott gone out he was, like, immediately he was after that game and didn't think he'd make it into the, the Bills would make it into the playoffs at all. Yeah. That's uh, no one. Surely, no one's taking the Steelers on this. No, no, I I, I can't see it. You, I mean, TJ Watt's out as well, so it's like yeah, if, if he was playing, then I think that so the spread is uh, is ten. 10 points. Yeah. And I think if TJ Watt was playing, that might be, you know, 
like six or seven, seven six point five. Like, yeah. It's like that much of a difference that that player can make. So without him, I mean, Mason Rudolph somehow has played like his best football in a Steelers jersey the last yeah. like two, three weeks, but that's not going to last. Oh, I'm not I mean, buying he, this he, hype. He of was like... like the third string QB outside of Mitch Trubisky and whoever the hell else they had last year. Like he's been beaten out several times in his NFL career. Like I can't Chris, imagine Christmas is over. suddenly this amazing revelation. Like <laughs> Rudolph yeah, ain't leading I, anybody through the snow I, anymore. I can't see it. <laughs> it's not happening. No. And the other thing you've got to bear in mind as well is the weather conditions predicted for this game on Sunday. It's meant to be blowing a gale up there in Buffalo. Well, we've seen from Josh Allen, wind isn't a problem. He can throw a ball that pierces mm. the wind no matter what. Mason Rudolph, on the other hand, mm. it's one thing when conditions are in your favour to be able to complete passes to George Pickens and whoever else you like. When you're on the road in the playoffs, the atmosphere that'll be up there and the the weather is, to put it kindly, not great. <laughs> it, this all conspires against the Pittsburgh Steelers. You've just said as well, no TJ Watt. You've lost 19 sacks um, with him on, on defence. There's Yeah, but Buffalo win this handily, I think. Okay. Green Bay against Dallas. We're not in Green Bay, so there's no Des Bryant catch coming into things or anything like that, Rich. I've got to bring those things up before you get to say exactly why Dallas are going to win. Jordan Love having a better rookie season under center than Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre. There's a lot of people in Green Bay that are trying to turn the Jordan Love season into this is our next great quarterback, which I don't necessarily dislike. I, like, I, I I've don't been disagree. I yeah, I'm gonna say I think from what I've seen of him this year, I I think he could be he could be really, really special. He looks he looks he looks like the real deal so far. And he's been in he's some got tough situations with, with a poor wide receiving group. He's got the second most touchdowns in the NFL. Mm. That's crazy. With who so, they, sorry, who's Dave, he got Dobbs? Who, who's got the most Reed? touchdowns in the NFL this year? Richard Gray is joining <laughs> us on the uh, podcast again. It's a shame we lost Rich once more. It's so weird that connection keeps going. We're getting back. I think, on it's, as soon C- as we I think can. it's CD Lamb has got the most t- touchdowns. <laughs> uh, look, uh, seriously, I, I like Jordan Love. Um, I, I think oh, he's that sounds like bit... that sounds like when you're about to absolutely no, but guys, he's a nice guy. I, yeah, I thought you were going to slam him. <laughs> he's good, but like no, I, I'm not. Um, I, 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 he surprised me this year with his progression. I think at times he's been outstanding. Um, the, the caveat I would put on his December run, um, as good as it's been to get the Packers into the playoffs, is look at who they've played over the last three yeah. games: the Carolina mm. Panthers, the Minnesota Vikings, the Chicago Bears. Again, no offense, folks, but these aren't playoff caliber teams. Now, before that, they lost at home to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucs put 30 on them at Lambeau Field. You know, I mean, this is the same Bucs team that were only able to beat the Carolina Panthers 9-0 last week. Mm. So the the Packers aren't the, the, the finished article. But what I will say is this. If they are to win this game on Sunday... They need to commit to the run. And they've got a good player at running back in Aaron Jones, who's gone over 100 yards on the ground in each of the last three games. And he's had success against this Dallas Cowboys team last year. He ran all over them last season where, when they um, beat Dallas at, at Lambeau. If if they don't commit to the run and it becomes a shootout, this game's over. The Packers aren't living with the Cowboys uh, in Dallas if it becomes a, a battle of the quarterbacks because mm. Dallas have got too many weapons um, frankly, and t- too many options. 
Um, I think it'll be a good game for three quarters. I think Dallas pull away in the end. Uh, and I think that Prescott, C.D. Lamb connection and Jake Ferguson, by the way, at, at side end is, is huge for them. Um, I think Dallas win this one. Have you got any injuries uh, as a team? I haven't heard a lot about Dallas. Uh, relatively healthy. Zach, Zach Martin will be back at right guard. He missed the last week's win in Washington through illness. Uh-huh. Uh, Tyler Smith at left guard has a completely torn... Uh, I can't remember how you call it. Plantia plate? Plantia fasciitis, something like that. Um, But I I think he will be back. So they they should have a full-strength offensive line. Um, Stefan Gilmore, uh, despite leaving the game against Washington with a shoulder injury, there was nothing serious there. So he'll suit up and play. Um, So, yeah, that's the other thing Dallas has got in their favor. At this season, they're as pretty much as healthy as you can be. Annoyingly so, some might yep. say. I mean, got be Dallas. It, they're a really good team. We we had this discussion a few weeks back of teams that are really good to watch in the NFL. Dallas are a good team to watch. I mean, you touched on some uh, somebody just then, Stefan Gilmore. I think pick up of the season for me in terms of like you want to talk about like MVPs and guys that go under the radar. I think Stefan Gilmore coming into that secondary huge help as a focal point in terms of like a level what, level-headed what player will, yeah. in that db secondary position that will organize everybody make sure everybody's on the same wavelength and covers the living hell out of the ball like yeah what, what i will say is um throughout the season it started with everybody talking about trayvon Diggs. he gets injured Deron bland comes in sets the regular season record for pick sixes everybody's raving about him Throughout the season, you haven't heard a whole lot about Stefan Gilmore, and that's because nobody throws at him. Mm. You know that you know what you've got in Stefan Gilmore. He's effectively a shut-down corner, and I think the fact you haven't heard his name is the biggest compliment that you can pay. And I will be honest, heart was in my mouth last week when you see him extend his shoulder and he goes off carrying his arm, and you're thinking, whilst everybody is sort of glossing over it, this is huge. If he is not fit for the postseason for this Dallas defense in their secondary, it's massive. The fact that he's thankfully come through that and he's no, no serious injury and he can play is massive for this Cowboys defense. Yeah, I got Dallas taking that one. I, yeah, I mean, I can't, <laughs> I can't be any nicer. I'm sorry, Rich. I tried. I really Thanks, tried. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. I've, I've just enjoyed the gritted teeth through the last minute and a half. <laughs> Uh, Rams against Detroit, which might be the best playoff game, I think, mm. this weekend in tight, terms of potential tight, to be yeah. explosive, <laughs> tight. Detroit have had their Cinderella story, I think, this year of the come up again, as it has been for the last last season as well, obviously, getting in and pipping Green Bay in the final game. Whereas the Rams are, are the team of like, you don't want to play them right now. Of all the teams to not win their division... That's the team to avoid because Matt Stafford has got hot at the back end of this year. And with Cup and Nakua, and Puka Nakua is the find of the season for me, without a doubt, offensively. uh, Outrageous. Offensive rookie of the year, easily. Um, I think Detroit are in a whole heap of trouble with this Rams team right now. Can I ask, uh, Laporta went down injured in the last game for the Lions. He's a huge yep. part of their offense. Is he playing? Do you guys know? Is uh, he out? He's day to day. There that was no serious good. damage done to his knee. It was a hyperextended knee, and that is right. all we know at this point. 
Yeah. When it full, happened, full it looked awful. Today. It looked like yeah. it was done. Full practice okay. today, apparently. He, he's not going to. He's not going to be a hundred percent. But equally, it's a playoff game, and I think if there's any way you can t- get on the field, you get on the field. Mm. Um, yeah. But but I don't think. He, yeah, I, I just don't think he's going to be a hundred percent, and that, that's a problem for, for yeah. Jared Goff because he has been such a big part of this offense. And the the other thing that I would highlight with the Detroit Lions team is that from a defensive perspective, they're not great. They do do give up points. Mm. They their secondary against the pass is awful, frankly. Um, and that we've just spoken about the Cowboys uh, and what they do. As good as the Lions have been, they're a step down in t- terms of comparison with the Cowboys. But the philosophy is the same: explosive offense, get points on the board, and make teams chase you. Well, if you don't do that, their defense still gives up twenty odd points a game that's a problem and you know Ollie's mentioned Matt Stafford he's been outstanding through December um and he was most impressive in that defeat they had at the Baltimore Ravens when he just single-handedly put this team uh, on his back and now you've got Cooper Cup healthy again to compliment um Nakua as well yeah in the NFC you know we talk about the Buffalo Bills in the AFC the LA Rams are the Buffalo Bills of the NFC watch out it's crazy, isn't it? It was supposed to be a rebuilding year for these these guys. And we kind of yeah. like, I think everybody thought, maybe even some people in that organisation, if you really pressed them, that this was going to be a tread water year. And then they, they would try and kind of accelerate in 2024. But like, I don't know, they've just been consistent. They've been, it feels like they've just been competing in like nearly every game and just quietly getting on with it. And they found a running game as well with, with Williams at running yeah. back. He's been sensational for them in the second half of the season. It and suddenly that gives you balance <laughs> as an offense. Mm. Well, if you've got an experienced play uh, signal caller like uh, Matthew Stafford, who's already won a Super Bowl um, in the last couple of years, that's you know heaven sent type of thing. And he, you're seeing what he's capable of doing now when he can be protected a little bit and he's got weapons to use as well you better be on your a game if you're playing the la rams otherwise you're going to come up on the short end of that result and yeah look i i get it um there's a lot of passion a lot of fervor around detroit now it's been a long time since they've been in this position way back to the days of barry sanders since they hosted a a home playoff game but yeah the 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 draw hasn't been kind to them this week the rich man's Bijan robinson barry sanders as we're now going to call him No, I, I think you're completely right what you said about Karen Williams. The ability to have a two-dimensional offense is still so much bigger yeah. than anything else. It'll bring me on to exactly what I'm going to say about Philadelphia coming up. But to have an offensive game where you have to respect the run, and if you've got a guy that can throw like Stafford can, as you say, is I got the Rams taking it in Detroit. I, I can't. I, I can't blame you. I've got. I've got the Lions, but that's probably a kind of heart overhead pick because I, yeah. I like the story. Um, but I mean, it's plus three. It just seems evens to me. Dave that Campbell up there in the corner. Dave Campbell. <laughs> Dave Campbell. I, I've just seen too too much um, to concern me from the Detroit Lions through the final month. Yeah. Of, of the season, you know, you, you look at the way they finished the. Those two games they had against the the Chicago Bears, one they pulled out in a come-from-behind win, one they lost. They lost at home and lost handily, by the way, to the Green Bay Packers on Thanksgiving. Um, And then you you sort of move on 
into December as well. And the New Orleans Saints on the road, classic example. They're up 21-0. Game's dead and buried. It's over. And then all of a sudden, by the start of the fourth quarter, yeah. the Saints have pulled back to within a couple of points. And it's game on now. The Lions pulled away again and won that game. You don't, you just don't do that in the postseason against this this caliber of team. And the LA Rams, you certainly do don't do that against. Give them a sniff. They're going to kick that door down. Um, this I keep saying it. I know Aaron Glenn's getting a fair bit of interest from teams looking for a head coach. I don't think his defense is great, um, and and it's a problem. And when you've got a team like the Rams and the weapons that we've just talked about. It's a real problem. So un- unless the Lions can play a flawless game, and by that I mean no turnovers, then I don't see them winning. I, I like the Rams a lot in this one. Just quickly, uh, before we go on to the last game, you touched on the Saints there. And Dave, I do want to, we discussed it very quickly uh, in the week. <laughs> oh, please don't talk about the Falcons. <laughs> can we just, I want to ask about the the Saints-Falcons kind of aggro on the final game. Arthur oh getting... right! Oh, do you want my take on it? Yeah, yeah. The Arthur Smith <laughs> who, getting really who angry. gives a toss? I mean, like, I thought the whole thing was ridiculous. Like, I, I don't care about it like at all. It doesn't change anything. Losing, losing by thirty plus points to the Saints or losing by thirty five points, or whatever. Like, who, who cares? It doesn't matter to me. It shouldn't matter to any but it's Falcons like a, fan. It's a, it's a, I, I understand like why Arthur, the gamesmanship what, and all that. I or? understand why Arthur Smith was um, a bit upset about it, but I think that he was probably more upset by the fact that he was going to get fired the next day. So he's probably in his feelings about that. And I don't know. I guess it shows um, for the Saints like a weird bit of coaching because apparently he didn't call that play. So Jameis Winston changed it in the huddle because they wanted Williams to get the touchdown, which is just like a weird, very, very weird situation where you're going against the kind of stuff that happens all the time with like bonuses and players want to get their numbers. And like, you know, there was Brady giving like Gronk that easy out pass that got him like a million dollars. But the fact the coach was not like calling that. Look, I don't have an issue. It is strange, but who cares? Like, I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. I, I, I don't have an issue with, with the Saints running up the score on the Falcons. You know, you've like say, we've seen it time and again over the course of history in the National Football League. There, there are two areas of concern for me. One is they lined up in a victory formation um, and then decided to run a play off the, the back of it. Well, next year, if you line up in victory formation and the Atlanta Falcons play, play it as a play and one of your players then gets injured, well, yeah. that's on you, New Orleans. Um, you know, I have no no problem with you lining up and saying we're going to run a play here, but in victory formation, that that doesn't um, sit. It's well a good with me. point. It'll be secondly, interesting to see. The, yeah. It's a big, yeah. Secondly, and the bigger thing for me is everybody seems to be saying, "Oh, well, it's just Jameis, isn't it? It's what Jameis Winston does. He has that cheeky smile. It, it's fine." No, it's not fine. You've shown complete disrespect for your head coach there. I, I we mentioned Jimmy Johnson, the Dallas Cowboys earlier. I am telling you now. If that had happened when Jimmy Johnson was head coach, being Dallas or Miami, whichever player calls that, he is clearing out his locker room the next morning. You know, the buck stops with the head coach. If he sends in a play, that is what you do. Mm. um, Brandon Jacobs tweeted out on Monday morning, there is zero chances of us running a play if Tom Coughlin at the New York Giants tells us we're kneeling down. 
and that is the problem for me with with this scenario. It's the disrespect and disregard shown what the head coach has said, and then he's the one that's having to go out there on the podium and try and justify it to the media, try mm. to justify it to his opposite number, Arthur Smith. Um, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't sit easy with me. I don't have a problem with them running up the score. It's the manner in which they did it. I, you're, you're opening up a can of worms down the line. Yeah, I think that's a good point about the potential injury on both sides. If you're kind of like, you're not sure if you're actually having a real play or not. If yeah. there's a real down in, or, or whether you're just going to be kneeling, there is a safety. It's an unwritten rule, isn't it? You know, victory yeah. formation, fine. We're, we're just seeing outside and finishing the game. I think that. Well, that's not what the Saints did. Yeah, it's a. It is, a, it is a really weird one. I think I assume that Jameis Winston is just a knucklehead and he was like, well, I'm not going to be here next year. I think those conversations have already happened or like he gets that vibe. He's not going to be back next year. But he's costing himself money because he's a perfectly good backup to go to another team. But yeah. other head coaches are going to see that exactly what you said and they're going to be like, I can't be dealing with that. Yeah. I can't have him not, not listening to me when I'm calling plays. Yeah. Yeah. But I would run up the score on the Saints as well if I had a chance. So I don't, you know, like, <laughs> from a fan's point of view of like the running up the score, I don't care about. I think that's why I was like saying like you've made some some great yeah. points, like why it does matter from other angles. But from a fan's point of view of like running up the score, I don't care. Like we hate each other. Like that's, you know, it's fine. You know, score 60 if you can. I, you know, it's it's fine. We're terrible. It's a, <laughs> like, it's a bit like the Jordan Phillips thing with the Eagles when they line up to the Bradley shove for the first time. I hate that phrase, by the way. It's just a QB sneak. It's just the easiest way to say it. Um, and Jordan Phillips freaking laid out the lineman in front of him. Flags fly. Phillips kept whistles go. Phillips kept on like blocking the guy into the ground. And that to me was that intentional. Oh, you're going to run that play. Well, we're going to try and make you fear running that play. So mm. you won't want to run it. You won't run it hundred percent. That annoyed me. But if that now happens between Atlanta and New Orleans, when you line up in victory formation, yeah. you're leaving, as you say, Rich, you're leaving yourself exposed to that sort yeah. of play of somebody's going to be like, well, we don't know. You did this to us last time. So we're just going to make sure it'd be a shame you if, don't if, do that. It'd be a shame if a player got injured as well. And like, they're just, yeah, you want to see they're not really part of any of that either. Like, do you know what I mean? It's just Jameis yeah, it Winston just, being yeah, a collateral damage, you know? He stole that touchdown like a box of crab legs, that guy. It's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> um, and finally, uh, Tampa Bay against Philadelphia. Eagles lose. Bucks go through. That's how Do you really good. think you're going to lose that 100%, game? 100%. 100%. The Bucks are bad, Ollie. They're Phili a bad team. Have you not watched this Eagles team over the last I've few I've watched weeks? a lot it's of Bucks, though. I've watched a lot of Bucks this year. Way too much just because they're in our division. It's embarrassing. And they're, they are a bad team as well. Uh, so. F Philadelphia are genuinely embarrassing right now. I don't hold anything mm. against Nick Sirianni. I had a ridiculous conversation with Andre when he was like, remember when I was in that airport before week one and I was yeah. saying that Nick Sirianni is going to be in the hot seat at the end of the year? None of it is Nick Sirianni <laughs> in the hot seat. It's Brian Johnson, Matt Patricia and Sean Desai are the three people that are completely out of their depth right now. And Jalen Hurts is making some ridiculous decisions when it comes to quarterback position. It's quite clear with the Eagles offense that when you run the ball over 25 times in a game, that's how you win. And when you run it with a running back, I don't just mean like QB draw with Jalen Hurts, which becomes the most obvious thing to see that even 
analysts that aren't Tony Romo are looking at the play and going, oh, it's a QB draw up the right. Like, it's very plain to see. And and defensively, it's not been there. It's been back to the old, same old, same old with Philadelphia of secondary can't cover, linebackers can't tackle in open field, and the defensive line can plug up a run as best they can, but the pass rush that was there last year isn't there at this point for whatever reason, whether it's defensive adjustments on the line, whether it's play calling of how the line are operating, that rush isn't there. And if you can't get to a quarterback and can't impose them, it's not going to happen. And Jalen Hurts, Nick Bosa said it perfectly. We've given everybody the blueprint of how to rush Jalen Hurts. You don't rush at him. You just limit his lanes and make him make a decision because he plays quarterback like I used to play quarterback on Madden when I was about 12 years old and that you keep dropping back, dropping back, dropping back and hope. And that pocket just keeps getting smaller and smaller and just coming forward. And then when you commit to one side, everybody rushes that one side. And that's what Jalen does. And until you establish a run game properly in a game, you're not going to win football games. And I think Tampa Bay have that blueprint. It's plain and obvious to see and the Bucs go and win it. It's really really bad and it's the best team in the nfl that i've ever seen in terms of on player talent that have looked shouldn't be 11 and 6 that team shouldn't be 11 and 6 it won close games and it could so easily be a 5 and 12 team this year philadelphia so easily and i never really got on board that bandwagon this year i never really trusted it and i know i'm annoyed to be proved right it's rubbish absolutely rubbish to watch well i feel like we're open of therapy here which i'm pleased to out <laughs> i don't know if i want to say anything else on it just cuz i feel like you it's like rubbish. you've like yeah. burnt yourself out oh no i think there's more to come dave don't hold that <laughs> <laughs> this is what i think um i think it's possibly the worst matchup in the wild card, super wild card weekend um they've saved it for last as well um i look the nfc south has been a dumpster fire of a division this year and i will give credit to baker mayfield and the tampa bay buccaneers for finding a way to emerge from it i think baker mayfield has been an, and I, I tweeted this out um on on sunday night he has been an absolute warrior for the buccaneers come back uh, player of the year when you there in, yeah re- rebuilding season remember the, the Buccaneers have the most dead money in cap space, $80 million this season, of any team in the NFL. And yet they've found a way to get into the postseason hmm. as division champs. Baker Mayfield's remit right from the start of the season was, look, we've got a good enough defense. Look after the ball. Don't turn it over. You'll give us a chance to win games. And, you know, if he hasn't done that, what, what has he done? He's been, in a stretch, been brilliant. He took him to Lambeau Field, got a win in Green Bay. When games had to be won, he didn't care whether it was ugly or not. He didn't care whether he had bruised ribs. He's limping off the field after every drive. He found a way to get the team over the line in Carolina. Nine nothing. Who cares? A win's a win. Um, and the the key for me is I only see one team in this matchup that's willing to scrape, scratch, bite, bite, whatever it takes to win a game. Only one team is showing that tenacity right now, and that team's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What I see across the field opposite them is a Philadelphia Eagles side who at one stage were 10-1 and one this season. They've gone 1-5 and five down the stretch. There isn't a single team in the history of the NFL that has lost five games or more since the start of December and gone on to win a postseason game. That, that's what 
the Philadelphia Eagles are fighting against here. A bit of history, and they've been playing at home this weekend. They're not. They've got to go into Tampa. Two years ago, remember, they went to Tampa and they had their heinies handed to them. Now, very different. I'm not going to say that's going <laughs> to happen. Very different team. It, it was very. very different Tampa. I'm not going to say it's going to happen again, but I do think the result's the same. I think the Buccaneers win this game. Mm. I don't. I don't. I don't think so. I think that I think the I think the Bucks are the, are the worst team in the playoffs, and I think the Eagles have got the best matchup because of that. They might be one of the only teams that you can beat playing like this. My, but I think you'll win. My delusioned brain this week was like, well, Nick Sirianni knows that if they <laughs> lose this Sunday, we're playing the Bucks. So if we play the Bucks, that's the easiest <laughs> way through. So that's right, the way right, to do right, it. Right. I mean, honestly, there were, there were moments on Sunday where I thought that could, yeah. Even if form wasn't an issue going to this, you've got a quarterback that was waving around his pinky last weekend with half of it sticking why are out you here. Playing, that why are you playing? If you're going to play like that, why are you playing any yep. starters at all? Oh. You, you've got a star wide receiver in um, AJ Brown that, now, look, we're told he's day-to-day -day and the knee injury isn't significant. And <laughs> he, Look, the, the way he left that yeah. field, it looked fairly significant to me yeah. last Sunday. So I, even if he suits up, I don't see him being 100%. And might you've run got the ball, though. Devontae Smith. Rich who might who, run who the did... ball now. So, <laughs> I mean, that'd be a good thing. That's a guaranteed win. Well, <laughs> you'd like to think so, wouldn't you? Um, but it's, it's just not a, a format that, the Philadelphia Eagles have employed to any great commitment um, over the course of this season. And the other thing you've got is that you're playing against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, which is the fifth best in the NFL at stopping the run this season. They're the seventh best scoring defense. You're going to have to make plays through the air if you're going to beat this Bucks defense. Um, and then you've got to look after Mike Evans as well on your own defensive side of the ball in a secondary now that as bad as it's been, has now lost Blankenship as well. So, look, I, I think just sheer will and desire counts in games like this when you've got two teams who aren't fantastic. Tampa Bay have it. Philadelphia don't. I'm taking the Bucks. It's a good argument. It's a good argument. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm all in what on what you've said, unfortunately, Richard. <laughs> I, I genuinely, I hate it, but I... I can't see anything less. And if you go with all of my picks this week, the Browns to beat the Texans, the Chiefs to beat Miami, the Bills to beat the Steelers, Dallas to beat the Packers, the Rams to beat the Lions and the Bucks to beat the Eagles. That feels so wrong, by the way, saying the Bucks to beat the Eagles and the fucking Cowboys to beat the Packers. It gives you 21 to 1. That's my wild card money and that's, that's what's going to be my winning 16 bet, I reckon, this week. And it's gonna hurt a lot. It's gonna well, be kindred spirits. Here. I don't. I don't like, like seeing a. Is that a what you've really got, Grace? Sad, Ollie. <laughs> is that is that your six team as well? That, that those are my six teams to progress through to the divisional weekend. Yeah, and get quick by the way, because that Ram. I can only see the Rams odds coming down against Detroit. I, the more I agree. people think I'm about it, I'm surprised at that line. To be honest, six yeah. to four the, when I took it. The way that we were talking about it, it yeah, it does seem. Uh, it does seem gen generous, doesn't it? Sorry, I'm just having a look. I've got a bet from Jazz, which is nuts. Oh, what's he saying? Uh, all right, let's read that out because it's quite fun. Yeah, this is Jazz normally on the show. He can't stand the Cowboys so much that he decided he couldn't be with 
Rich on the show, which is fair <laughs> enough. Like, yeah, and and he, he can't stand the the Cowboys enough that he's he's picked the the Packers to to win for his bet. Wow, I, I mean that says I, it all, doesn't it? Wow, he is chasing some crazy numbers here. So he's got the Texans to win. I, he's got I, I the, will. I will. Go on. Go on. So I, I was. I will say this about the Packers Cowboys game. Yeah. I was fortunate enough to be in AT and T Stadium back in 2017 when you had Jared Cook oh. making a catch and Mason Crosby <laughs> kicks the the last second field goal um, to win it. Um, of all the games the NFL I've covered, be it in the UK, Germany, or, or in the States, by some distance that is the best atmosphere I've ever experienced. There were tornado warnings and tornadoes touching down outside the stadium. Uh, the players were giving us a treat inside the stadium. If the roof could have come off, it, it would. Um, and we witnessed an absolute thrill of a game. And it seems to me that whenever Green Bay and Dallas meet, it, it's always an entertaining game. Now, in the last 10, 15 years, more times than not, it's Green Bay that's come out on top. I'd like to think it'll change this weekend. <laughs> And that's the sort of language that if you're willing to put a little bit of cash down, Richard Graves will be in Las Vegas for yeah. your Super Bowl reporting needs. <laughs> Give him DMs are open. Richard Graves won on X, formerly known as Twitter. If you want that sort of coverage coming to you live from the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. Man, I'm, I'm very jealous you're getting to do that, by the way. I know we touched on it earlier, but I am very jealous you get to be in Vegas for that. Yeah, I, I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, you know, uh, Ollie, Super Bowl week is a week like no other. Um, and now it's in, in Vegas as well. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> well, I'll let you and your wallet I decide exactly survived, what yeah. can happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, for, for, for once, I have to say for once, I'm kind of glad it's not me because I've spent time <laughs> in Vegas and it's it's a weird city. Sorry, Dave, Jazz is bet. Finish off Jazz. Oh, bet. right. Okay, yeah. The, <laughs> Vegas leading us on to betting. Nice. Yeah. Texans, Dolphins, Steelers, Packers, Rams, and Eagles. And that gives Jazzy £478. I mean, he's a Steelers fan, so he's really towing that. <laughs> that would be wild. I will, I will owe him a personal apology if Pittsburgh beat Buffalo this weekend. By the way, Grace, but if you frankly, say now, if, you'll give it, if it's a 20-quid wager or something like that individually on that happening or not, that whole bet he might take you for 20 quid. So we can make that happen off air as a little side action. If, if his comes through, <laughs> you give him an extra 20. If it doesn't, he owes you 20 quid and we can make it because he's always up for a little side action is Mr. Gillum. <laughs> oh God, he is. And we'll then, what to him after. I'm a little bit concerned about his state of mind. If he thinks Pittsburgh are winning in Buffalo. Oh, he doesn't. He's just chasing the money. Yeah, he always a, does. He's a Tomlin lover. That's the man. Oh, you got to love Mike Tomlin in fairness. Again, another season that I thought oh, the crazy, 50% record wasn't going to be. And he still just finds a way. Yeah. Can we super. get, can we get him a good QB? I kind of want to see what he can do with some actual talent. <laughs> When's the last time he had a good QB? When was Ben good? Is that six, seven years ago? Three years before his retirement. So, yeah. So, that was a long yeah. time ago now. Yeah. 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 Dave, you got one quickly? Or are you. Oh, um, it's very similar to yours. I don't know what's different. I've only got. It's only 11 to 1, though. It's Browns spread two and a half. Oh, you went spread. Chiefs, okay. Chiefs to win, Bills to win, Cowboys to win, Lions to win, and Eagles to win. Ah, you back the favorite with the Lions and with the Eagles. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yep, yep. that won't get you much, but it might get you nope. something. Uh, Graves, quickly, where can everybody find your stuff, man? Um, on Facebook, the Graves on Gridiron page. 
on X, it's at Richard Graves One. Instagram is RDG Media UK. Equally, my website is www.rdgmedia.uk or on YouTube, Richard Graves TV. And genuinely, I know it may have sounded facetious, but great Rich is going to be out at the Super Bowl this year. If anybody needs any sort of coverage or anything like that, like he's best in the business. Honestly, the stuff you do with the NFL Network on the London Games. I hate to say it. There's so many people I've spoken to behind your back where we have to say it's really <laughs> annoying how good he is because he's such a dick in real life. <laughs> um, I appreciate all those comments. Professionally brilliant. <laughs> um, because personally. I know that I felt sincerely. <laughs> uh, no, no, seriously, I, I appreciate the compliments. And yeah, like you say, I'll be out in Vegas uh, from the Sunday before the Super Bowl. So out there all week and available um, for any freelance coverage that that you may need, so including yeah, get in touch with me um, if you go to my website rdgmedia.uk for a contact. Including a free hit on the uh, the Super Bowl preview podcast that we'll be doing from the UK back here. Obviously, uh, we'll have to get you on and get your insight on everything that's going on obviously. in the week. Yeah, obviously, <laughs> so but no, cheers, Rich. I appreciate the time, man. As always, buddy. Oh, wicked. Okay.